Welcome to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. In each episode of this podcast, we will examine and discuss some of the difficult, challenging, and often messy topics associated with church and Christianity and our faith. Whether you are curious, skeptical, and unsure about Jesus, new to church, or maybe even a longtime devoted follower, this podcast is designed to bring the message of the gospel to the everyday messes of life. Welcome, everybody, to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson, a brand new podcast from Autumn Ridge Church, something we're very excited about. Uh, My name is Robert Nash. I'm the communications pastor here at Autumn Ridge Church in Rochester, Minnesota, and I am joined with the man himself, uh, lead pastor at Autumn Ridge, Rick Henderson. Rick, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Yeah, Uh, I'm pumped about this. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and I'm excited to finally uh, kick it off. Yeah, for sure. You know, I was thinking today... uh, Two years ago, about when you started, I came into your office one of the first times I came and sat down just to chat with you, and I said, you know what you need to do is a podcast. You said, we're going to do that real soon. Something happened over the last two years that kind of delayed some yeah. plans, but yeah. we're here now. There's a lot of things we had to <laughs> There's focus a lot on of things. ahead of time, like making sure that our church continues to exist. That's right. Figuring and out how to do church in a, in a digital space only for a while. Like my very first time yeah. preaching. I'm never going to get tired of talking about this because it blows my mind. My first time preaching ever as the pastor of this church to an empty room. It was on video for like six months. The picture that popped up on my, on my memories today was... Was you yeah. preaching to that empty room? Uh, not fun back then. Yeah, jumping through those hoops. But we're good now. Things so are way, way getting back better. Back then, I wasn't excited about just doing a digital thing like podcasts. I wanted to be around people, and we've had a chance to really start to build a lot of relationships. And if I could jump ahead a little bit yeah. and just say one of the reasons that I'm excited about this, I think it's a bonus reason. It's not like the deep down most important right. reason, but a bonus reason icing on the cake is I hope that it helps people from our church and people in this community who might be listening to get to know me a little bit better because just what's happened over the past two years has made it hard. It slowed mm. the process down significantly to really get to know me. Yeah. And people see me up on the stage. Uh, I'd love for them to know there's a lot more to me than that. Um, most of it is boring. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully this this adds a little bit uh, a little bit of flavor to how people perceive me and for they sure. can see that... Uh, that it's not just that 30 to 35 minute package that you're, they see. You're on the more than services. just the man on stage. That's yeah, what you're telling yeah, me right but now. But the, the more to it, it tends to be a tad boring. Sure. Well, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll let the people decide on but that let's one. But this isn't boring. This is not going to be boring. It's, I mean, just the, the name of the podcast alone, Church mm-hmm. is Messy. That you were adamant. This has to be the title. This is what I want. Yes. So people may hear that and think to themselves, is that okay to say? Is this a safe thing for us to be sure, talking about sure. listening and, to? And out of context, people might wonder, is this like a dig on the church? And it's not. I can understand why somebody might wonder that. Years ago, um, well over a decade ago, my life and my thinking was transformed uh, by a a verse in the book of Proverbs. Some people might feel like it's a tad obscure, Mm -hmm. Proverbs 14, 4, where uh, there's no oxen, the stable stays clean. Mm-hmm. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. And the writer of Proverbs is really trying to give advice to his son because he mm-hmm. wants his son to grow up to be a wise man, um, a very responsible man, and a productive man. And he's saying, listen, 
everybody wants to have a harvest, but not everybody wants to do the hard work that comes with sure. it. And if you want to have a large harvest, you need the you need a force multiplier. Right. You need an ox, which means he's talking about dealing with some excrement. He's talking about <laughs> stinky, smelly stuff that comes out the wrong end of the oxen. You got you got to deal with that, and it, it revolutionized my thinking. It's like you know what. I shouldn't see those things as bad. I should just see them as as part of the necessary good of the good things that I want to be a part of. And so uh, being a pastor, loving the church, loving, and what I'm talking about, loving people and and loving what we're about, sometimes Mm. it means moving towards things that my instinct is to move away from. Sure. And it's kind of my way to remind myself and to remind others that there are messy things or hard things or maybe things that we instinctively move against. But no, we want to move. We want to move towards those things. And some of it is just kind of hard work, right? Um, and then some of it is the the messiness that happens in relationships. Yeah. I don't always have clear perspective in my own life. I don't want to speak for other people, but I'm just going to talk about me real quick. Okay. I don't always know the difference between having a mess and being a mess. <laughs> Okay, you know, enough, and then, so this is part of the seeing the the more than just the thirty the thirty five minute you know <laughs> conversation with me uh, on the on the stage at the weekend services. I've got messes, yeah, and in some way, in many ways, I am a mess. You're a real person. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a real person, <laughs> and so often I'm preaching to me, yeah. right? And I don't want people to be afraid of my messes, and and some of the people who've earned the most trust in my life. And the people who've made me feel most loved are people who are not afraid of the messes mm. in, in me. They're vulnerable with me about their own messes. They're vulnerable about how Jesus is making a tremendous impact and bringing them freedom and, and setting them free from the tyranny of sin mm. and shame and regret. Um, and I love that. And, and I just want to be a person. Right. And I want us to be a people where we're like, listen, there are messes, and the gr- and the grace of God is abounds, and it's amazing. And when we gather together, we don't have to hide from the messes. Sure. And we're also trying to accomplish something significant. Like the reason we exist is to help other people know. We want to lead other people to know Jesus, mm-hmm. to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. One of my favorite passages in the entire New Testament is Second Corinthians chapter five. Paul says, we're, we're compelled by the love of Christ. It's our fuel. It's our engine. <laughs> it's the thing that pushes us forward. And we have this incredible message that God is not holding people's sins against them, that if you are in Christ... You are fully loved, fully forgiven, fully mm. accepted, fully delighted in. And, and Paul says, we are ambassadors of that. So we live for this incredible purpose, right? And carrying out that purpose and getting a little bit better at that purpose and finding success and pursuing that purpose means sometimes moving towards messes and, and choosing to do messy things. And I want to be about that. Sure. You know, I, I have found this may be a larger culture thing, but I've, I've seen it especially within the church mm-hmm. where, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. When internally, yeah. your life is such a mess, you don't know how you're going to keep it together and you just <laughs> wish you could talk to somebody. But in that moment, I'm great. You know, and there s- are times that I'm living in the illusion, like I have it all together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, circumstances are per- Conditions are perfect. <laughs> you, you know what that reference I is. I definitely understand the reference. If um, you know what that reference is, laugh. If you don't know what that reference is, that's okay. It's all good. But anyway, but but then there are lots of times conditions are not perfect, right? Yeah. And, and and things aren't coalescing the way that we want them to. And, and you see the beauty of Christian community. Mm. 
You see what only Jesus can do in people, where people are like, this is who I am, and I see who you really are, and we move together, right? When you read things in the New Testament like, confess your sins to one another. What? That's scary! No! I don't want to! Hey, everybody! Yeah. I, I would lose... Let's... Listen, I'm a novel. I'm a mystery. <laughs> Let's keep it... No, how is it? How is it that you could really just be like, these are my sins. Mm. These are... These are how I mess up on accident. This is how these are my moral mess ups I'm doing on the purpose. Big ones, yeah, yeah. Right? This is this is my moral brokenness. Yeah. Right. And and the this is my sin. This is where, where I get it wrong on purpose. This is where I get it wrong on accident. These are my messes, right? How do you get to where you can talk to somebody about that yeah. and listen to them share encouragement and accountability with you in return? Well, Part of it is just being vulnerable, vulnerable with the fact that I'm a mess, you're a mess, we are safe in Christ, we are made complete, we're made enough mm. by what Jesus did. So mess is not a term to be afraid of. It's certainly not an insult, it's not a dig, and it's not anything to be afraid of. Let me be a little vulnerable right now. Please. Right now, I'm a bit of a mess. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a human cocktail, if you will. <laughs> As we're recording this... It's the same day that I went to the travel clinic Yeah, because I'm getting ready for a mission trip to Ghana. That's right. How many shots did you get I got again? five, five shots. shots. Cinco. I'm a human <laughs> pin cushion. I got all kinds of chemicals sloshing around inside of me. I don't know what they're doing to my brain. He's got the yellow fever I don't going know. right now. I don't, know the, I don't know what's coming out of my mouth if it's making sense or not. I don't We're even not know really if I'm even here. recording here, right? I don't even know if I'm here right now, right? <laughs> That's honest. But yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, authentic community. Yes. And that is something that, that is important to us here at Autumn Ridge. Uh, mm-hmm. Move towards the messes, right? That is one of the things we value here. Let's talk about something. Please. Because we just kicked off a message series yeah. called The Great Divide. And we're getting honest about questions. Mm. And sometimes that feels a little too messy, doesn't it? Sometimes that doesn't feel very safe. When somebody comes and they ask a question, let, let's just pretend like they're not asking with any negative motives. Let's be honest, sometimes yeah. people do. Sure. Sometimes people are trying to pick a fight. Sometimes people come across really intense. I think most of the time that people come across intense isn't because they're trying to be mean. It's because they feel it so strongly Agreed. and they don't even know how to process yeah. it. We're just going to set that aside. Okay. Let's pretend people ask hard questions, but in a beautiful way. Okay. Right? With a heart full of love and joy. Absolutely. And they're asking really hard stuff, like, what's the deal with hell? Oh, my southernness just came out. Did you hear that? No, that I heard it. I, I was, it was natural for oh, me. Oh, my goodness. Now, for everybody, anybody who doesn't know, we're talking about getting to know you, right? Yeah. Rick, I'm, where are you from here? I'm from the fried chicken south. Mercy. Bless I you. am from the deep south. If you ever listened to my mom talk, my brother talk, you'd be like, yes. I've heard him. Yes. Years and years ago, I worked hard to erase... Mm. The Southern accent. Yep. I learned that when from I was my in mouth. Boston. Yes. Do not talk like that. My yeah. wife knows there are some backdoor words, and sometimes it just <laughs> slips out, right? It ju- and right. it just slipped out there it for a second. Did. But anyway, going back to this message yeah. series, we're asking questions. What's the deal with hell? Mm. Uh, what's the deal with suffering? How could a good God allow that? I mean, can we... Listen, okay, the Bible's great, but is it truly reliable and trustworthy? And sometimes at church we use terms like an errant, which means mm. it is free from error. It's absolutely true and all that it intends to communicate. Right. Like, do you have to shut your brain off to affirm that kind of thing? Or are there good reasons to affirm that kind of thing? Here's another question. It just feels like Christianity is too exclusive. That's mm. the only way to God? How could a God who is as big as Christians claim that he is mm-hmm. only have one entry point? 
Right. And so we're going to engage that. And sometimes people bring other questions. I mean, questions that feel deeply personal, questions that are white, hot, radioactive, difficult questions. And it disrupts our sense of comfort and safety sometimes to have to wrestle with that. Yeah. And yet, it is the response of love to say, oh, I am happy to answer your question. Right. Peter said, listen, always be prepared. Always be prepared uh, to give an answer, to explain the reason for the hope that you have, and do this with gentleness and respect. And that starts from something that Peter said that I didn't quote. I'm holding it off for a second because okay. I really want to shine a spotlight on it. Okay. It said, in your hearts, revere Christ as mm. Lord. The most, one of the more rebellious dispositions that a believer in Jesus could have. I mean, just a defiant, unchristian attitude. Mm-hmm. Is, I'm just going to give you Bible verses. Yeah. Or I'm just, uh, I'm going to ignore that, or I'm going to make you feel shame or less than for asking that question. Revering Christ as Lord in your heart means a disposition that is happy and eager to give the best answers we have to the most important and pressing questions that others present, and it's all wrapped in gentleness and respect. Now, you you mentioned just now uh, a lot of people just want to throw Bible verses at it, and and well, I grew up in that culture. When, I did too. when we say that, we're not necessarily. I want to be clear. Yeah. I'm not saying the people of Autumn Ridge or the Christians in right. Rochester. I'm not really talking about anybody general r- around here. That's not targeted. But in my culture, mm-hmm. my, my church culture, my history, the way that I grew up, it was not a question-friendly um, environment. Sure. It was a compliance-friendly environment. And that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. I don't want compliance. I want people to trust Jesus. And the expectation is that we love him with our minds. That's mm-hmm. part of the f- greatest commandment, right. is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Right. So it's not about compliance. It's about worship mm. and obedience that is fueled by love and gratitude, and it's, it's a response of faith, which this is really important. Faith isn't pretending to know something that you don't really know. Faith means trust. Mm. Faith means allegiance. In the verb form, it means to give your trust. It means to give your allegiance. Okay. All right, so that's what we're doing here. It's trust and allegiance. It's not pretending to know something. It's trust and allegiance. We were made to love God with our minds. Whatever we trust in, whatever we give our allegiance to, it should be for good reasons. So, I mean, this is something you hear often. We said mm-hmm. in your culture, I grew up hearing it. Yeah. I've heard many wonderful, loving, very wise Christian people say people should just believe because the Bible says it's true. And and that didn't work anymore. I, I'm not sure it necessarily ever worked within the last few decades, but mm-hmm. but people need more than that now in an age of well, information. Let's, let's try to okay. give the benefit of the doubt. Okay. What do you let's let's talk about for a couple of minutes what I think in the in its best expression what people are trying to say. Okay. I think in its best expression, people are trying to say, but I trust the Bible. And because I trust the Bible and because I am persuaded that it really is how God has communicated to us, it is God's word to us. Mm-hmm. So it's authoritative. 
I don't need something else. So why should anybody else need something else? This is really important. Okay. Because some people, some people might feel like their ears on fire right now. They might be, they might be starting to get a little agitated right. and be like, I don't know. It feels like what's being advocated is to place something mm. above the Bible. That's not it at all. That's messy. That <laughs> that's not it at all. Gotcha. If you are convinced, if you already understand that that the Bible is God's word to us, then you don't need anything above that. Right. But how is it that you know that it's God's word? Mm. Something convinced you that it is. Right. Because something convinced you, you have reasons that you said, yes. If someone came at you with uh, from a different religious traditions text mm-hmm. that you don't recognize as authoritative, and they said, well, my holy book says this, you'd be like, so? I don't trust that. You trust in the Bible. Why do you trust in the Bible? Yeah. Something convinced you that it is truly God's Word. And so would you be willing to do a little bit of work to dig a little bit deeper and to share with them why? Share with them what convinced you. That was one of the things from the message. It's not my job to convince you, but it is my job to share with you what convinced me. Very similar to something when I got into ministry full-time several years ago. One of my greatest concerns is I'm not sure I'm up to the challenge of saving everybody. Mm-hmm. And and somebody very close to me, they said, it's not your job to save anybody. Mm-hmm. You can't save anybody. It's only Jesus' job. That's and in the job. same yeah. way. It's above our pay grade. You exactly. You and I can't convince somebody of what to believe, but we can we can tell them what convinced us. And I thought that was a great point you made in the sermon. The the weight of it is me just telling you what I know and what led me to believe what I believe. Yeah, I I hope this isn't double speak. And sure. and you know people who are listening, you know, you guys evaluate if you think I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I am trying to be persuasive. Mm. I am trying to be convincing. I do want to persuade, but ultimately, my understanding is whether or not people trust in Jesus, whether or not it's cuz here's the deal, you can believe something is true and not put the weight of your life on it. Mm, for we sure. see that all the time. Yeah. Um, like there's a lot, everybody knows that eating healthy and exercise is great. A lot of people nah, ain't putting the weight nah, of their life on it. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> so, of, all right. I'm actively editing sure. and not making jokes that are going to no, get no. me in trouble. You're good. All right. See, gotcha. I, I got am you a mess. Covered. You are a mess. Okay. Um, <laughs> whether or not people put the weight of their life on Jesus, whether or not they give him their trust and their allegiance, that's above my pay grade. Mm-hmm. That's I'm trusting God to to do what only He can do in people's hearts and minds, and that people will uh, repent. That they'll, they'll they'll trust in Jesus. But I want to be convincing, and I want to be as persuasive as I possibly can be. And yet, I understand ultimately I can never be enough. But I'm going to give my very best. And I'm just going to go back to the message, Please. and I'm hoping people are hearing this in light of the message that was given the first weekend of the Great Divide. Love Jesus, mm. love the truth, and love people. Right. And you, you pursue those things. Those are at the mm. forefront of your mind, your heart, your top deck, right? Yeah. Everything else should come naturally. Yeah. You say often, uh, you, you share what you love with who you love, yeah. right? And, and if this is something you love, then you don't have to have every answer to mm. every question that comes up. It's okay to tell people, you know what? I'm not sure of that. I struggle with that too, but yeah. let's figure it out together maybe, or... or, or find, you know, what led me to this moment of, of wondering these and things. And let's take ourselves off the hook here. Sure. 
there's virtually nothing in life that we understand exhaustively. I don't know any person who's an utter expert on any one subject. Now, there are plenty of experts, right? But like to know everything about something, that's pretty, that's, 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 that's incredibly rare. Right. I don't even know if that exists, but there are things that you that you trust and you believe about the car that you drive, about the store that you shop in, about how you invest your money, about your medical care. You know enough to be able to act on it with good reasons. Mm-hmm. You probably don't know enough to be able to answer every single question that everybody has. Right. And yet you probably know how to pursue those those answers when there is a question. Right. And so I think everybody kind of gets to a point, not kind of, everyone can definitely get to a point where I know enough that I'm going to put the weight of my life mm. in Jesus's hands. Absolutely. I know enough. I'm going to put the weight of my life and the message of the gospel. And there's other questions, and I'm going to have other questions, and, and people who I care about are going to have questions. I know enough. I can trust Jesus, even if I don't know the answer to that, but I know how to go chase down information. Right. And hopefully, if we do a good job with this series, people feel, not just feel, but are empowered mm. to know how to get uh, all the information that's helpful to answer the questions they have and the questions of people who uh, who are talking. For them. sure. Yeah. And, and, and listening to all this and you know, reviewing the sermon from a couple of weekends ago when this comes out, uh, week one here... Um, the common denominator for both sides, right? Uh, devout, devout followers of Jesus who who have questions, uh, non-believers who have questions. The, the common denominator is doubt, right? Yes. A lot of believers won't engage these questions because they doubt themselves. They doubt um, that they know enough information. I've heard wonderful people say, I'm worried I'm going to make it worse for this person if I mm-hmm. say anything to them. Sure. It's doubt. And then there's, of course, doubt on the mm-hmm. other side. Mm-hmm. The text from uh, the message... Uh, in week one of The Great Divide, was all about John the Baptist. Yeah. John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus, uh, literally leaping for joy in utero, just at the mention of of, yeah. of Mary being pregnant, which is yeah. one of the most incredible overlooked moments in all Scripture, in Youngest my opinion. Youngest preacher ever. Youngest <laughs> preacher ever, and he's doing cartwheels for Jesus. Yeah. Um, a man who who grew up with Jesus, um, he watched him walk towards him to be baptized. And what did he say to Jesus when he asked to be baptized? I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. I, 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 if I seem to pause there, I was wondering if you're saying, what did he say when he first saw Jesus? Shit. Behold the Lamb of God who Behold comes to take away the sin, the sin. This is a man yeah. Yeah. who had some pretty significant um, um, love and adoration and allegiance to Jesus. Well, let me, can I just, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast mm. is I want the conversation to continue. I approach every message that I give as though it's a conversation. Sure. I want people to feel like they're being talked with, not talked at. Right. Uh, and that's really, that's really what's driving my approach. There are, there are several ways to keep the conversation going. This is one of the ways right. to keep the conversation going. Another great way to keep the conversation growing, going is to join a small group. Especially a small group that's that's sermon based. We've got we've got some of those, and we provide what I think is some really helpful material for people to keep going further in the conversation. Uh, but let's talk about some of the things that I did not have time Please. to talk about in the message. This is on the cutting room floor. John had everything he needed. Yeah, he didn't he didn't need anything else for his faith to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. 
I want to make sure that I'm, I'm describing this well. He didn't need one more thing to have a rock-solid foundation of reasonable faith. Right. Now, he needed, he needed things personally. He needed some things emotionally. He, he needed some things from s- some more dynamic personal reasons, mm. but not at the level of reason or logic. That foundation was already rock solid, right. that the hand of God had been on John his whole life, and he saw a miraculous affirmation of who Jesus is, mm. which is also a miraculous affirmation of his life's work yeah. up to that point. He didn't need anything else. And you know, and some of us can kind of relate to that, that you know, there's enough in our past that we can look back to and say, yeah, I know, I know for a fact that God is good that he is real, and that he has done something in my life, and I'm, I'm going to stay anchored to that. And that is an important part of growing faith. And yet, in his kindness mm. and his gentleness with us, he gives us ongoing things that reinforce and strengthen our faith. And it's my hope that maybe he would use this podcast and that Hopefully, he would use the message series that we're in right now to do that for folks. Well, I mean, I think this is a, a great way to kick all this off because, I mean, yeah, he, he had everything he needed 30 years with him. Mm-hmm. 30 years with him. He yeah. knew. Yeah. But then there came a moment. Mm-hmm. John's arrested. He's tossed in prison. Here's something you said this weekend that I don't think I knew. He was in there for maybe a year? He could have been there up for a year. It's hard to ascertain sure. um, with specificity. But yeah, he could have been there up for a year. And some of the people that I've been reading uh, w- take great pains to point this out. John was a man who lived outdoors. Mm. He lived in the, in mm. the wilderness. Wow. He was somewhat of a of a free spirit. Okay. And... He was, he was a he was a guy who was used to having the sun on his face, the wind in his hair. He was used to wide open, free spaces. Almost, almost who he was, right? Yeah. How, what what energized him, ripped away from him, and he was he was locked in what was probably a cramped, Damn. dark yeah. space, primarily alone. No now, in the in the you see this in countries around the world that mm-hmm. don't have the same robust justice system mm-hmm. and prison system that we do here in the United States, and you certainly see it throughout human history. The if you were in prison, they weren't feeding you. Yeah. The only way that you had clothes or a blanket or a cloak or food was because people brought it to you. Right. So he was not in utter isolation, and there would be people who would come and interact with him and talk with him and give him reports. That's how it explains sure. how his disciples were able to go and get a message from him and bring it to Jesus right. and, and take it back. When you kind of understand the culture and you understand the history, that makes perfect sense. It's not like our culture today where it's locked down, it's incredibly strict as far as visitation time. Some yep. people you can't even visit. It's expected right. that there would be some people interacting with him. But the majority of the time, he's in this dark, isolated place, um, ripped away from freedom, ripped away from community. And over time, that will wear anyone down. For sure will wear anybody down. And and that leads to the moment from uh, Matthew 11, where mm-hmm. John has, has sent basically, right? Mm-hmm. He needs to know from the man he knows. Are you really the one yeah. we've waited for? Is is this for real? 
could we try to get there emotionally? Please. And I I like to, whenever I'm reading the text, I like to imagine the emotions of everyone on all sides. Which, which is, you and I have talked about, yep. something that I think a lot of people don't automatically think when we read the Bible, that the, Jesus, got these are people who had emotions, they had thoughts. Jesus is a real human yes. being, right? Yes. He's not only a human being, but he's a real human being. Yeah. He was an emotional person. Yeah. He felt emotions. He felt all the impulses, the the sensations, all of those things that, that we feel he felt, and yet he experienced all those in a way without ever sinning, without right. ever violating um, God's law or deviating from the essence, the character of what it means to, to be God, uh, which is all a conversation for another sure. time. But he, he would have emotional responses. And I'm trying to imagine, like, what would be a reasonable emotional response? Mm-hmm. Or what would be expected? Or what would be likely? And I'm trying to imagine, what would it be like for me mm-hmm. in that moment? And, and I'm not, like, trying to equate myself with Jesus, but I no. just want to imagine the... All of the emotional vulnerability and um, the emotional crossroads. Can we call it that? Let's do that. Emotional crossroads. Let me see if I can describe an emotional crossroad that would have been normal or understandable. Okay. So I've been here for two years. Yep. I got to uh, replace a pastor, great man, John Steer, who pastored this church for 30 years. Right. And I don't know if people know this, but I love John, and, and I count John a friend. I, I think he counts me as a friend. We get to hang out together and, yeah. and just have, have good, uh, <laughs> just have a good time good. together. Yeah. And uh, he's taking me out in his little sports car, and his, he's got well, this like great. this little British convertible sports car, and it's like riding a lawnmower, <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's a blast, right? Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, love this guy. But I'm trying to imagine this, a possible emotional crossroads, yeah. right? Imagine I've done some. Q&As here at Autumn Ridge, mm-hmm. imagine doing a live Q&A, and there's the audience, and there's a delegation, mm. there's a handful of people that come, and they say, "Here, we're here representing John Steer. Proxy. His, yes. <laughs> his question is, do you really want to be the pastor of this church, or should we look for somebody else? Yeah. I would be embarrassed. I'd probably be angry. I'd be confused. I would feel a broad range of emotions that would come out in not awesome ways, yeah. right? And I, I would imagine responding in a way that would require more than a few apologies, sure, right? And and I'd be like, "Who are you? And how how dare you disrespect me like that? I mean, if you have a question, come see me, or yeah. let's do it in front of people. Are you?" Serious, right. like I would kind of lose my mind, and I hope I hope everyone realizes the context of this. Right, we're using our imaginations exactly. here. This not, is not a situation a great, that has unfolded. I love John Steer. We got a great relationship, <laughs> right? And uh, we're getting together to to have lunch here real soon. Awesome. Looking forward to. It. Um, but that's how I would respond. Mm. And that's only after you, in our scenario, you being here two years, yeah. and John grew up with Jesus for yeah. thirty. They're related. Oh my goodness, it's but Jesus. He did not, there's nothing about his response that where he took it personal, that he took it as an affront, and he could have talked about it. He could have responded to it as though it was a matter of disrespect, but he didn't. He just turned and like, well, let me give you the answer. John's asking, let me give, John, this is what you need. You need to know that I really am the guy who's keeping the promises that have been made for many generations, that have been recorded from the Old Testament 
I'm the guy keeping those promises. I'm keeping those promises, and I'm going to send these guys back in a way that they can share that with you because that's what you need. Mm-hmm. Jesus was not. It's Jesus was not self-centered or self-concerned in the slightest in that moment. And I, I am astound. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago from the time that we're recording right. this, not when probably when people are hearing it, but a couple of weeks ago we wrapped up a series. Uh, through First Thessalonians, mm-hmm. and in First Thessalonians, chapter five, Paul writes to cling to the good, to cling to what's good, and we talked about that. That's a it's a it's a Greek word, kalos, which is it's a idea of good that contains the concept of beauty. Mm. It's not the most common word for good. It's a Greek word, agathos, and Paul didn't use that. He used kalos, and we're being told to cling to the beautiful good. I am astounded at the beauty of Jesus in that moment. Sure. There's no ugliness of self-concern. There's no ugliness of defensiveness. There's no ugliness of being combative. Mm -hmm. It's here's a guy who he knows is hurting, maybe Mm -hmm. is on the other side of the breaking point. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Whether he's dealing with some sort of post-traumatic stress, who knows what he's had to deal with in that prison? And Jesus responds in a way that elevates concern for that guy, zero concern for himself. And isn't that isn't that why we're drawn to Jesus? Mm. Because he loved us at utter expense to himself, gave up all of who he was, gave up his life for us in excruciating fashion so that we could receive life from him. He gave up what he deserved so that we could have what only mm. he deserved. Excuse me, let me say it, let me say it this okay. way. He took what we deserve so that we can get what only he deserves. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's it's the it's the epitome of love. And you right? see a snapshot of that. Yeah. With the way that Jesus responded in that moment. And and here's the deal. I think a lot of us could respond like that, especially if you gave me a heads up. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> like if you said, listen, listen, you're going to do this Q&A. I just want you to know there's this group that's coming. They're going to ask you this question. It's going to cause you to feel, it's going to mess with your pride. It's going to, you're going to be upset and all this kind of stuff. And I could like rehearse and be ready right. in that moment. It just wasn't given any warning. Yeah. Now, of course, he's God, and he's omniscient, and he knew what it was going to happen. And yet, he's also human. He's responding yeah. to things in real time. This is a beautiful good, and I'm astounded by it, and I want to be more. I want to be more like it. And then he turns around and does this little sermonette about how <laughs> awesome and respectable John is. And the reality is, John was wavering. And Jesus yes. turns around and says, "What did you see?" John was a mess in this. What, mo- what like- did you what What did you go out to see? A, a reed wavering in the wind? Yeah. No, that's not what John is. And so he reaffirms. John, John is. John is wavering. And Jesus talks about him as though he's a solid rock who never wavers. So, so let's take that down to to its most basic. What what most of us will will find in this passage. I don't care who you are. I don't care for us. You know how long we've been in ministry. How long you've been a believer. Mm-hmm. How long you've gone to church. Every single person has doubts. Every single one of us has some questions somewhere in there. And I know for me growing up, it was always, it was never safe to ask those questions because it meant, well, you have doubt. If you have doubt, you may not actually believe. And if you don't believe, you're not a, you're not a Christian. 
Mm-hmm. But in this passage, we not only see that 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 Jesus is okay with our doubts, he's okay with our questions. There's answers for them. And there's affirmation. Sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. I probably say that too much because when I write when I read something and you it resonates. You must really me, love the Bible. It's all my favorite. <laughs> but in Acts chapter one, I think it's verse three. Acts chapter one. Jesus is spending time, well over a month, with his disciples, and it says he's giving many convincing proofs mm. of his resurrection. Like he showed up. He show, he's there. He's alive. He walked into a room <laughs> that had no windows a and all the doors room. were locked, right? <laughs> Not to mention, they just saw him in excruciating fashion be crucified mm. on the cross. And that's a bit redundant because the word excruciating was invented right. to describe the level of pain that could only exist on the cross. So anyway, it is mind-blowing, horrific, agonizing pain. Mm. They watched him die. Three days later, he's out, of, he's out of the grave, and still he's stacking proof on top of proof on top of proof, or he's stacking evidence on top of evidence, or reason on top of reason for why they can be confident. It's no surprise after that that these men would face agonizing deaths when all they had to do is say, I made it up, yeah. or just stop preaching it, and they wouldn't. Yeah. And they and they wouldn't. It's because Jesus <laughs> Jesus stacked evidence on top of evidence for why they could put the weight of their life mm. on him and what he claimed. So then to 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 bring all this back home. I know you and I could sit here for hours and hours and hours and talk oh, about these types of things. Living, you, man, we do. It's you can amazing. ask my kids. Dad never stops talking. Any, any t- what you saying Jesus goes into a sermonette after that, he's like, well, I'm just going to keep talking. I thought more. Um, that's what pastors do every day, basically. Mm-hmm. But to bring this all home with what you just said, let's go back to, to our main passage for this entire series from Peter. Yeah, it's our, it's our theme verse, yeah. 1 Peter 3, 15, mm-hmm. to in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, mm-hmm. always be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have, and do this with gentleness and respect. And you see Jesus doing that with John. Mm-hmm. You see Jesus doing that after appearing to them yeah. from the dead, Yeah, <laughs> taking the time to do that over and over. And, and I'm sure many people listening to this, many people listening to the series, they want to do this. And they want to get past that that mm-hmm. anxiousness. They they want to boldly, lovingly, reveringly share and and answer these types of questions. So, mm-hmm. so I'm going to pull back just a little. In addition to this series, in addition to this podcast, uh, we're talking about um, the reason for God by Tim Keller. It's a great book. Great I believe book. it came out in 2016. Uh, if you uh, if you are a person who is convinced and you're fully devoted, you're like me. You're like Rick. I'm I'm a follower of mm-hmm. Jesus. I'm devoted. You should read this book. It'll be really, really helpful for you. It'll help you engage um, the some of the some of the questions that people have mm-hmm. in a way that sets you up to be able to help them process, to be able to be a resource to them. Mm-hmm. If you have questions, if you have doubts of your own, read this book. It is from an incredibly thoughtful pastor. He's mm-hmm. not being trite. He's not going to give you any cliches. He's going to give you some helpful information to process. Okay. Along with that, I'm I'm sure you have a few in mind. Are there any other books, podcasts, speakers, resources that you might point people towards who are wanting to expand? Yeah, there are a few things that I want to let people know about. 
in no particular order, let me start with this one, Cross-Examined. They have a great app at crossexamined.org with uh, Dr. Frank Turek. I would recommend people to go to that, especially if you're a college student or a high school student. That could be a good place to start if you're a parent and you're wanting to have some great conversations with your kids. Go to crossexamine.org, uh, and, and you're looking for material with, with Frank Turek. He's a guy who I've spent mm. some time with personally. I trust him. His heart's in the, in the right place. Um, sometimes can be a bit of a strong flavor. Okay. But uh, really, really good, really good guy, and I right. trust him. Okay. I trust him. I've actually spent time, just him and me, we went down to uh, Temple Square in Salt Lake City and had some fantastic conversations. Low-key jealous, but okay, <laughs> sure, that's fine, whatever. Yeah. All right. Um, here's another one. Mm-hmm. Reasonable Faith. Mm. Reasonablefaith.org. Uh, this is uh, part of William Lane Craig's ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Lane Craig ain't no dummy. <laughs> he is <laughs> smart, yeah. really jealous of his brain. He's yeah. a very, very intelligent man. A lot of the written stuff is at a high level, but you're going to find a series of uh, animated videos uh, by uh, Reasonable Faith. You can find those on YouTube. Just, mm-hmm. just just type in reasonable faith videos. These are incredibly accessible. Uh, not too long ago, I got to speak at a middle school here in town right. and I used one of those videos. Good stuff. It's a great way to understand, um, a philosophical approach to the faith. And, okay. Um, there are many strong philosophical evidences for the Christian faith. So go to reasonablefaith.org. Here's another one to see, um, the richness of God's Word, to understand the story and reasons to have confidence in it, not from an apologetic perspective, but really just to better mm. understand the Bible, and the better you understand it, the more you see, oh my goodness, this this is this is no small document. This is right. this is deep. This is rich. It's it's complex. It's worth digging into more. The Bible Project. Oh, go yes. to the Bible Project. Download the Bible Project. App. The new app. I yeah. am. Uh, I'm using the Bible Project uh, as uh, the app for my personal devotions. I've just took took a while, made it through Genesis, and uh. I'm doing a number of studies with the Bible Project. There is high level scholarship that's incredibly accessible it's for people deep, of all deep levels. Resource. Yeah, love it. So good. So good. So good. I will add all those to our show notes. If anybody mm-hmm. wants to, to jump in there, link to the websites, to let, the to the apps. Let me throw in one Please. more. I'm a I'm a really big fan of Unbelievable with Justin Brierley. Okay. Yeah. And so we might sprinkle in a few more resources as we go. Absolutely. But, but those are some that I want to make sure people right are off aware the top of your head. Uh, Rick, of course, I mean your name's in the podcast. But thank you for for taking the time in your schedule to to make this podcast reality. I really think it's going to be uh, impactful to to people wherever they're at in life, wherever they're at mm-hmm. with Jesus and and what to do with Jesus. Um, and I'm looking forward to to many more conversations with you. next week. We're gonna have a special guest for. Uh, I believe we're gonna have a, yeah. a special guest next week. We'll keep that under wraps. Yes. Hopefully, uh, people will tune in for episode number two. This yeah. is really just the primer. We're, yeah. we're we haven't served up a meal yet. No. We're setting the table. Yeah, and we're what, some of the things that people are gonna be able to expect is greater access to information that didn't quite make it in mm-hmm. uh, to the sermon. We're going to keep the conversation going, and it won't be too long before we have it set up to where we're taking questions, and we want to hear what your questions are, and we look forward to responding to those. No questions off the table. No questions off the table. Speaking of questions, you have a question 
please submit it to us. Send it by email, churchismessy at autumnridgechurch.org. We'll get those. We'll we'll read them. uh, We'll answer them in a future episode. We would love to connect with you on our social media. More information about that coming very soon. Um, What we would love for you to do, we would love for you to to subscribe. We would love for you to like and to share this podcast with with anyone and everyone. Uh, That is how we are able to continue doing this. That's how this will grow. That's how we will be able to, to make an impact in the lives of others and continue to encourage them and engage them with their questions. And I, let me just throw this in. Maybe you stumbled on this yeah. or somebody shared this with you uh, and you live in the Rochester area. We'd love for you to come to one of our services at Autumn Ridge. I'd love to meet you in person. Absolutely. Yeah. So when do we meet, Rick? Tell, tell the people Saturday that. nights, 530, mm-hmm. and there's a meal afterwards. And uh, if you come and say, hey, listen, I, I heard about you on the podcast. Listen, your meal's on me. How about that? That night. Your first you can't you find and your better family. than that That's on right. a Saturday night here That's in right. Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, our services on Sunday morning mm-hmm. are 8.30 and 10. 8.30 yep. is a traditional type service. Sure. Uh, so if that is if that kind of speaks your heart language, mm-hmm. if that's the church environment you're looking for, come to the 8.30 service. If you want a little bit more uh, modern feel, mm-hmm. come to the 10 o'clock service. And if you don't live in the area, you, you would like to engage with us, but you're nowhere nearby, hey... We have our uh, we have our live stream. That's right. During that eight thirty and during that ten o'clock service, YouTube, Facebook, um, and on our website autumnridgechurch.org. We would love to connect with you uh, in person or there. Rick, thank you so much. Looking forward to more. Everybody, uh, we hope you will go check out episode two already available. This is huge. We have three episodes for you to listen to right out of the gate. Uh, we hope you enjoy them, and uh, we will talk to you all again very soon. Thank you for listening to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. Church is Messy is a registered trademark of Rick Henderson, and this podcast is produced by Robert Nash. Our sound engineer is Josiah Novinger. Our theme song is Bring It. Follow us on Instagram at ARC underscore ROCH. Email us with any questions you might have or topics you would like explored in future episodes at churchismessy at autumnridgechurch.org. For more information on Autumn Ridge Church in Rochester, Minnesota, please visit us online at autumnridge.church. Thank you for listening.